0: Minerals
1: don't just work in isolation. They're very synergistic. So as that magnesium starts to get used up, then your sodium begins to get used up, right? That is what helps
0: in that alarm stage of stress. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. This episode is sponsored by 88 Acres. I love stocking my pantry with the delicious, thoughtfully crafted seed bars and seed butters from 88 Acres that also just happen to be free of common food allergens in their commitment to high quality ingredient sourcing. To get a discount on your order and a list of my favorite 88 Acres products, head over to seeds.88acres.com forward slash less stressed. And if you're a health practitioner, don't forget to join the 88 Acres Nutrition Collaborative. All right. Today on The Lustrous Life, we have Amanda Montalvo, who is a woman's health dietitian that helps women get to the root cause of hormone imbalances and have healthy menstrual cycles. Amanda started off her education in nutrition with the traditional route, but after dealing with her own health problems, after getting off hormonal birth control, she quickly realized the value of functional medicine. After healing her acne, balancing her hormones, and learning the value of the menstrual cycle, Amanda found her purpose to help women create a body imbalance and not settle for anything less. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks for having me, Krista. Yeah, so we were chatting about lots of things offline, but I wanted to set the stage. People always ask, "How do you know people? How do you find people?" And I had just gone to an RD meetup, we'll call it, in Texas, exactly 28 days ago. Speaking of cycles, because I got my cycle <laughs> and right now, that oh, yeah. was a cycle. I know it was one month ago exactly. That's um, so funny. Yeah, everyone really needed to know that too. So we were chitty chatting that weekend all about minerals. It was like an electrolyte party, and so. And Amanda's, she's got great knowledge on mineral stuff. I had found in clinical practice that minerals were so undervalued and touted and under addressed and that in my aging populations and athletes and in gut issues, it was such an immense issue. And I have even had where until we could get minerals into the cell, so minerals and fat soluble vitamins really have an interplay. So we can talk about that too until we could really get minerals into the cell, like other things just would not work. People, they wouldn't tolerate repleting other nutrients. And so we're gonna get into, hopefully we'll do a part two because it gets a little nitty gritty, but we're gonna set the stage on some big things. So we're gonna talk all about minerals and their importance and why they're an issue. And this is just one of those episodes that I want you to share with everyone because it's like cutting edge, which is what our goal is here. Is like, let's talk about this cool biohacking cutting edge, but it's like essential basics also that don't always make sense. Okay, so to understand, first of all, why would you get into such a mineral rabbit hole? How did this happen? It's not necessarily automatic. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Especially I feel like with our kind of traditional dietitian training, even with functional nutrition training, I feel like they did not focus a lot on it. So for me, like I came off the pill, that's when my whole women's health journey started, like lost my period. I was a mess. My skin was insane. They diagnosed me with PCOS. I was just post-pill PCOS, but still. And then I got a copper IUD put in. And this is kind of where the mineral stuff started to trickle in for me. I did a lot of research before I got it, but I wanted a non-hormonal option. And so I felt like it was kind of my only one. And like the research was showing that initially your blood levels of copper increase and then they go down. So I was like, probably fine. Right. Totally good. And turns out that you just store that copper in your tissues and it causes you a lot of problems later. So That was kind of like my journey into discovering like where were all my estrogen dominant symptoms coming from? Why was nothing I was doing working when I felt like I was doing all the right things? And then one of my colleagues had recommended looking more into my minerals, hair testing, copper excess and imbalances and stuff like that. And that's when I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is what's going on with me. And I started doing more research I've just learned a lot more about this, how powerful they are, even like sodium and potassium for like blood sugar issues and everything. And that's when I really got super inspired and motivated to share
0: that with more people. Mm. I bet it wasn't quite that streamlined. Just thinking about it. Oh, no, (laughs) no. Oh, I mean, I just have to take this quick. I'm just going to call it quick grab a hole when people end up, because this is, I think there's people who are probably like, no, tell me more about how you felt when the copper was at first fine. But then later you're starting to not feel good because you're getting copper that's getting stored in your tissues. And would this be correct? Like it's just too much. And our body would like to be able to do things about it. But when it is trying to protect us. It's like, let me shuttle this away somewhere because I can't do anything else with it right now. So you can comment on that, but how do people feel when this starts to become excessive or toxic in their tissues? Yeah.
1: And it's just like iron, right? If we have excess iron, we'll store that in our tissues too. So, it's different for every person and it will happen on a different timeline. I did not experience it right away. It took me about six years to oh. get the repercussions from my copper IED. But I've had clients that after a month, after a day, after a year, they've noticed it's It's more like for me and what a lot of people I've worked with have experienced, it's like a manic feeling. It's lots of depression, really, really painful, heavy periods. I had really bad breast tenderness it was kind of like all your classic estrogen dominant symptoms, acne, bloating, but it was like nothing that I would typically do to help with that stuff was helping. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me think like, you know what, maybe this is my copper ID.
0: Yeah. Because you keep them in for what 10 years.
1: You can keep it in for up to 10 years.
0: Yeah. Mm. And also I want to just mention when people have an issue and there's a million things that go into every person's mineral status. But if someone has an issue with a copper ID after a day, which has happened, and then fortunately for that person, they can attribute it to that. Whereas in a six-year thing, it's like no one's going to think that that's the problem. I mean, really, yeah. you're going to be called crazy, unfortunately. But if it happens after a day or after a week, wouldn't it be reasonable to after we get into talking about interplays of minerals here, it would it be reasonable to say that that person in general really struggled with mineral stuff quite a bit before? Like they didn't have a very good solid foundation. And so a little thing like that set them off. Sort of thing. Like it unraveled them quite quickly because they didn't have stores that had to get depleted first, perhaps.
1: Yeah. And I think everyone, you know, their body's in a different stage of stress. They've been through a different amount of stress their entire lives. And I think I was a relatively healthy person. I was an athlete and everything. I was a dietitian. So I think I was just a lot more resilient. And so I didn't notice it for a long time. But my clients that have gotten it and noticed pretty soon after, they weren't in great health when they got it in. You know, like they were already super stressed. They're already very symptomatic. Mm -hmm. So they most likely already
0: had a lot of mineral imbalance previously. Mm -hmm. I have to mention that I have always really loved nutrient testing as a dietitian. It just feels so. Our jam, like to talk about interactions and interplay. It's just super fun. But I will mention, because you mentioned being an athlete, that athletes have some of the biggest nutrient issues, right? They're using nutrients at a faster level. And I would like you to add anything you want to say here. But here's what I kind of tell people when you're having this intentional inflammation day after day, right? You do, it's an intentional inflammation, a breakdown and rebuilding, then fatty acids really suffer. And fatty acids really suffer. The phospholipid layer of the cell cannot accept minerals and fat soluble vitamins as efficiently as it could. And so I really see fat solubles, minerals, and markers of inflammation, like fatty acids be suppressed in athletes. And I'm wondering actually if you see, if you would corroborate that or add to it or say, no, I don't see that or I
1: see it differently. I mean, I think sometimes the athletes are the least healthy clients that I have, but mm-hmm. I was not your average athlete. I was like, I knew. I was like, okay, I'm not being an athlete to be healthy. I knew that it was at the expense of my health. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, I think it kind of depends how serious of an athlete, but the way I was training, I was like, this is definitely not healthy, you know? And so I knew that like, I was crazy about electrolytes. I was really crazy about taking all my supplements, like being mindful with food, recovery, sleep. Mm. But if I didn't do
0: that, you were a serious person.
1: Oh, I was like, I mean, I would have been a mess. My periods would have been terrible. You know, like I probably would have been getting sick all the time. So I think that the only advantage that I had was that I knew how stressful the stuff I was doing to my body was. And I think a lot of athletes think that it's what they're doing is really healthy. And
0: it's like, it's actually increasing your nutrient requirement. Right. And so we have to show up for that. Yeah. That is cool. You mentioned another thing I want to talk about because this plays into, you know, we want to get to like, why are minerals important? And I think we're covering that now we can talk about it. We can literally ask that pointed question, but you brought up stress. Everyone has a different stress level which will affect their minerals. Can you give us some mechanisms of how stress affects our mineral levels, please?
1: So the big kind of major thing that's happening is the first mineral that's depleted during the stress response is magnesium. And so we'll start to use up magnesium. That's why I feel like magnesium is a cofactor for over 3000 reactions in the body. It's very, very easy to become deficient. And that's why magnesium solves most people's problems. So it starts to get depleted, which means that we use it up Demand is higher. And then minerals don't just work in isolation. They're very synergistic. So, as that magnesium starts to get used up, then your sodium begins to get used up, right? That is what helps in that alarm stage of stress. When your adrenals are making lots of cortisol, you're in your fight or flight state, you're using up sodium, magnesium, and then eventually, as you stay in that stressed out state, potassium. And so these tissue levels become high first because you're using more and then eventually they get depleted. And so the whole process with stress is that it is increasing your energy requirement, mineral requirement, and that eventually if it's not stopped and you don't
0: calm down, it'll deplete them. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. I would like to go. I think we're like wetting people's appetite. I think it's like very good, right? We've like really hit on a lot of pain points, but I wanna go back to big picture. I think we could do more justice to why are minerals important and then why are they an issue. So I'm gonna let you take it away on that.
1: So minerals are like we've kind of mentioned the word cofactor a few times, and that's really where the importance comes from. It's just that it's like, we only need small amounts. So it's not like a macronutrient, right? It's micro. So we don't need as much, but they're really fueling all the different reactions in the body. So if something say like to make energy, we are using oxygen, but we also need copper. So if we don't have copper, then that reaction gets slowed down. So the minerals are the cofactors that they're just like spark plugs. They're kicking off all the different reactions in the body and allowing them to occur. So they're helping us make energy hormones helping us digest and absorb our food, helping us get thyroid hormone inside the cell, balance blood sugar. They're really like this tiny key player in every function in the body. And I think the we might think like we get minerals from food. We definitely do, but I think why so many people find benefit when they start focusing on them is because a lot of us are depleted or we have imbalances. So for example, like a lot of us are dealing with stress, right? There's constant stressors. I think we live in a very fight or flight state type of world. A lot of us are not slowing down. We're always on our phones, going, going, going. This is going to keep us in that stressed out state so you're already using more minerals and then if we factor in that our soil is very depleted now so just because of kind of like your traditional farming practices and so if we have less minerals in our plants and animals then we are going to be getting less minerals from eating those foods and then the last big area i would say is medications and supplements so not that these are bad but certain medications i just think of the pill You know, I took that for years and that depletes a lot of minerals. It also can create some imbalances with copper and iron. And then certain supplements that I'm sure we'll kind of dig into will like ascorbic acid that depletes copper, right? So you want to do whole food vitamin C, not just like ascorbic acid vitamin C. So I think this combination of like stress, depleted soil, blindly taking supplements that we're not really totally sure why we're taking them and if they're appropriate for us.
0: Tend to leave most people in a mineral compromised state. Okay, I'm going to rehash the list. I think you did beautifully. I'm going to. I was just. Writing my own list, so I'm just gonna reiterate. Stress is dumping magnesium, right, which is cofactor for so many things. Caffeine in the same way. So I always like to tell people, let's hydrate before we dehydrate in the morning, if we can, because I'm literally, I'm like laughing at myself when I'm getting ready to do this interview because I've got my electrolytes in my water right on my right, and then I made my coffee on my left. So I'm gonna work on dumping my magnesium over here, and then I'm gonna work on repleting it. over. <laughs> it's so dumb, but you know what's cool? You know what's cool when you know and then you can do something about it. And that's what matters because what's important is for you to understand it. So you can deal with it. You want to drink your coffee sometimes and you want to tolerate it. Well, gut issues, aging, those can go, I mean, they do not necessarily go hand in hand, but there's definitely a mineral issue in that. All of my older population struggles with minerals. And I think it's because of stress. I actually like had this conversation with a primary care provider recently, and he was talk about a tangent. And he was like, (laughs) Hey, Hey, what do you think about the L like I have all these people come in and they're dizzy and we just don't have a reason for it. And after the fact, I was like, I wonder if it's a lot of mineral issues. Like if you really think, I don't know, that was my thought process. Cause you think about minerals are the backbone for detoxification and adrenal health. And if you're having like sodium aldosterone issues with blood pressure, you could have like some mild dizziness potentially. It's just an idea that kind of makes sense. So if minerals are the backbone to adrenals and detoxification, which is what I tell people all the time when I'm trying to be like, we got to do this first, please let's start here. Then environmental toxicants are going to be an issue because they're going to use up minerals, when you have toxic elements, your body needs to use, you have a greater need to do things, unfortunately. So like, I think people get annoyed when they have health issues and they feel like a healthy person. Like they're using clean, Household products and whatever i 'm like well good you 're just reducing the the need for your body to deal with all that crap, but it doesn 't like mean it fixes the already depletion soil depletions i mean it 's very well known that our soil is much less nutrient dense than it was fifty years ago. This is where i 'd love to like have my farmer husband come in and talk about the mineral. I like love when he talks soil science and minerals and what they do to try to like improve this, but it's the reality. And actually yeah. there's still virgin soil. Anyway, it's so interesting because soil chain it's different from all over the US. And also our diets aren't very, are they're not very diverse either. Right. And so yeah. gut stuff because gut pathogens love eating up minerals. Oh my gosh, they're mineral loving. And then meds and supplements as you talked about. And this is why this is not, as fun or straight, like, it's really fun to talk about. And then it gets sort of frustrating because it's like, well, hey, by the way, if you take this amount of CoQ10 forever, you're eventually going to create a B5 and a copper deficiency. (laughs) And so anyway, we'll do our best to like uh, stay above that because – There's just things that we can all do that are going to benefit us all. So stay in head. Okay. So we talked about minerals being important as cofactors. We talked about why they're an issue. This is awesome. Very good. Anything we missed on that before we jump into, maybe we should talk about some of the big guys, the big minerals, and then talk about each of them a little bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, and I just want to make one quick note on the whole dizziness thing. Like, that is like classic low sodium. I mean, we know, like, those people just probably need some more sea salt, mm-hmm. but balanced with potassium because sodium and potassium do need, they have that specific ratio. And if they're out of balance, you can have issues. But it's like, if those people just had adrenal cocktails, they'd be
0: totally good. I know, but then they're also on blood pressure medication. And how are we ever, I wonder what the route is, just like riffing from a practice standpoint. I wonder. What the route, if there is one, could be to helping providers or helping the general public understand that a sodium is not bad and it is very good. It's a processed sodium situation. I wonder like because I don't even necessarily want to have that conversation with the provider necessarily. I'm like, oh. I would say
1: the easiest way to kind of start all of that would be if someone's on a blood pressure medication, we know that magnesium can be extremely helpful for those people. Mm -hmm. So to have them consider slowly, so slowly incorporating magnesium and continuously monitoring their blood pressure to see if that can help lower their dose. I've had people just come off blood pressure medication because they started working on their mineral balance, specifically magnesium.
0: Mm, you know, you made me think of a question for later talking about people who are in a compromised state. They sometimes will kind of have some weird feelings if we like work on all four of the calming minerals right away and they seem Mm -hmm. to need to do sodium and potassium first. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. But I think it'll make more sense after we like give the set the stage with each mineral. How about it? So let's talk about overview of the important minerals that we want to talk about today.
1: So, we'll go through the macro minerals because those are the ones that we need in the largest amounts and they are the most synergistic. So, they're going to impact all the levels of the rest of our minerals. So, calcium is the first one that works with phosphorus to balance our nervous system. And we need enough because it helps maintain a good pH of our bodies, it helps reduce lactic acid buildup, supports our insulin release. When we have too much, the concern is that it's going to potentially inhibit how our thyroid hormone works. So all of a sudden, your thyroid, even if you're making enough and your blood work looks normal, if you have a lot of hypothyroid symptoms, it could potentially be related back to your calcium. But if we don't have enough, then we tend to have blood sugar issues and we're kind of more stuck in that fight or flight anxious type of state. So I don't know if there's anything you
0: want to add about calcium. Well, I think what I want to get across at the end, it's like a Goldilocks situation. Seriously, right? And it's kind of hard to see on testing. It's not super obvious all the time. And so how do we make that relatable? Like what is safe to do? What is too much? I mean, I have parents that are of the Reader's Digest generation. My dad learned how to use the internet, I don't know, sometime in the last decade, which has been unfortunate because uh, <laughs> he's forwards us a lot of email chains that I thought died in the early 2000s. And so anyway, I say this like lovingly, but you learn about something and then you're like, I should take that. I should take that. Okay. So yeah, let's preface
1: this with do not supplement with these. Okay. All Even right. magnesium, honestly, I would not start with magnesium. I would start with sodium and potassium and... When I'm saying that calcium is important, like food, food sources of calcium are important, which are things like dairy. If you're getting cooked leafy greens in bone broth, if you, I'm not even going to mention the other ones. Cause those are more like almost
0: like high dose, like a supplement form. I was going to say like eggshell powder, pearl powder. Oh, like that things is you can make fancy. at home. But thanks for talking um, about more than dairy, because I do want to say, cause some people don't, and I know, and I had some wallaby yogurt this morning in honor of you because I knew Yay. you were also having wallaby yogurt this morning. So I had <laughs> wallaby yogurt this morning that I also love, but not everyone can handle dairy depending on where they are with their other health stuff. We'd mm-hmm. love for people to handle dairy, honestly, but it just, it's not always in the cards for everyone. So thanks for bringing up the other calcium sources, including dark leafy vegetables, but cooked. Because you won't absorb a lot of the calcium in the raw ones.
1: But bone broth, I mean, it's like very mineral rich in general. It's a great one to add if you're like, I want to start supporting my minerals. Like bone broth has so many minerals in it. And you can easily add more by adding more greens to when you go to make it. Add potatoes for potassium. You know, like there's so many ways you can boost that up even more. But if you can't do dairy, then there's plenty. That's when like eggshell powder, like if you can't do dairy, I would say like maybe consider that or pearl powder. You can buy pearl powder, but you don't want to overdose it, right? And if you don't know your levels... You should probably just stick with the basic foods, Mm -hmm. but yeah, calcium is important. But like I even I mentioned, like we have to balance it with phosphorus for our nervous system, Mm -hmm. right? So it's easy to like look at blood work or even a hair test and get obsessed with a single value, but we have to know that minerals work together.
0: Yeah, and I'll just finish the loving conversation about my family member who likes to take supplements after reading about them online or in Reader's Digest. He'll talk to you about like all of his success, but he won't mention about the time that he got kidney stones from taking too much calcium. So, I mean, I just like avoid, but I tell you that story on purpose because that's the extreme other way. And by the way, when people go to their provider and they want to ask questions like this, one, that's the kind of stuff their provider sees. That people take a bunch of supplements and cause those kinds of problems. So if that's all you're exposed to, because otherwise this is not very intuitive. I don't think it is anyway. It gets a little complicated. Okay, cool.
1: Calcium. So that's calcium. Magnesium is another important one. We kind of talked about this one already. It fuels a lot of different reactions. We need it to make energy to respond to stress, keep blood sugar balanced. It helps relax our muscles. So if you have a lot of muscle twitches, it could be a magnesium piece there for you. But the big thing I think with magnesium to highlight is that it is mostly intracellular. So 99% is inside the cell. 1% is outside the cell. So when you're looking at like a serum magnesium on blood work, you are not really seeing what your magnesium levels are. And I feel like this is maybe why it's not as acknowledged in the health space. Cause they're like, magnesium's never an issue. It's like, well, in your serum it's not, but it's really important, and it's one of those that it can be harder to get from food it's definitely in cooked leafy greens, cacao, avocado, that kind of stuff, but it's one that our soil does not have a ton of. We used to get a lot from water if you go in the ocean, you can get a lot of magnesium. We used to get a lot from water, but it's a lot harder to get now, so that's why I think it's so common for people to like do up some salt baths, use a topical spray or supplement with it. Hey,
0: why does the topical sprays burn sometimes
1: so There's like so much information on this. and Ancient Minerals, that company says it's related to a deficiency. When I look into the research, they just haven't really found that. But they're also not testing the best level for magnesium. When I see it in clients, it's usually the people that have really high magnesium on their hair test, which means they're using a lot of it. And the people that have low magnesium do fine with it. But it can also be a pH of your skin. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the depends on the product, but I know Ancient Minerals. They make an aloe vera version for sensitive skin, mm-hmm. and I've had clients have success with it, not burning as much. Hmm,
0: I'm gonna try it because I do. I actually love that brand. I love it for a lot of reasons, but yeah, I gave up on sprays like years ago, which is inappropriate at this point. But you know, you don't continue to buy things. So you're like that hurts like hell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead I, yeah. and take a bath. But I've had like insane awesome things happen when people take a lot of magnesium baths now is this inconvenient not convenient for everyone i just love like i should almost put it on my intake form are you willing to take a bath people yeah what why would she even ask me this i should just put it right there in the front of because if people are willing to take a bath i'm like sweet start taking epsom salt baths please (laughs) it's such a simple thing
1: and like if you're like i i think i need magnesium but i'm nervous to supplement if topical it's just not as intense on the mineral. It's not going to impact your minerals negatively. It's just, I feel like it's great for your nervous system too. And if you put a little borax in there, then you can add some extra boron, which is also a really important mineral. And that helps you absorb magnesium better.
0: Mm, thank you for the pearl. I like it. Cool. Very cool. So right. that's
1: magnesium. So let's do sodium now. So Sodium, I think, is most commonly known for our stress response, right? Our adrenals are using it to respond to stress appropriately. It also helps us balance pH in the body and blood pressures, very similar to potassium. They're so similar, the way that they act in the body. And then I think the big thing is a lot of people don't really recognize how important it is for stomach acid production. And so that I tend to see people with low sodium don't have the best digestion, typically related to stomach acid and then insulin sensitivity. So it is also, it can have an insulin like effect on our cells. And of course, like when we don't have enough, we just don't respond to stress as well. We can have insulin resistance issues, not so great digestion. So not being afraid of salt, especially like a good quality sea salt, Or even just like, you know, fermented food, stuff like that. You can get sodium in that way as well. It's just like everyone can tolerate a different amount. Like some people have salty things and they're like, oh, this is so salty. It
0: just means you probably need to do a little bit less because we do have to kind we have to build up to being able to tolerate more. And one last comment about sodium, if you're here and you haven't switched to like a mineral salt of any type, like a Celtic or a Redmond's or a Himalayan, then you wouldn't know this yet. But once you do, you can't even use regular salt. It's so gross. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, like, well, we could make some notes here. But, like, if I go <laughs> on a trip, I want to just take my tiny little bottle of Redmond's because I'm such a snob sometimes about, yeah. like, little things. It's like salt, like regular salt is so disgusting <laughs> after you. Have, have you tried work. the Crucial 4 Icelandic sea salt? No. Thanks for sending it's me. So, thanks, Thanks so for good. helping me spend some more money today
1: it's not that it's not like that it's like flaky and just like so good it also is pretty high
0: in magnesium all right i'm on it just cool in preparation for our interview today i um i was painting some stuff that was not in preparation but i decided to listen to some podcasts on minerals because Mm -hmm. and so the only other one well there was two but really the one was like he was going off on lots of different salts i'm like i thought i knew salt And apparently there's a lot of other brands, so you're bringing it.
1: There are. And I would just say like, you know, be mindful with where you're sourcing it because there's just like everything, as soon as something gets popular, a ton of companies try to replicate it and it's not as great of quality. Yeah. So potassium, I think potassium is one of my favorite minerals. I feel like it's the most underappreciated one, especially of the electrolytes. It's also like magnesium intracellular. So most of it's inside our cells. So blood levels is not super helpful. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to sodium, regulates blood pressure, fluid balance. But I think the coolest thing with potassium is that it helps us to get thyroid hormone inside the cell and glucose inside the cell. It has a very powerful insulin-like effect on our cells. So this is kind of like one of those things where I think people focus so much on macronutrients with blood sugar when they're not paying attention to what is my mineral status? You know, Do I have a lot of deficiencies
0: that could be leading to not tolerating carbohydrates? I have a soft spot in my heart for potassium because I was an eight-year dialysis dietitian, which we talk a lot oh, yeah, about I potassium and phosphorus. But I just wanted to talk about heart palpitations in general really quickly because a lot of very healthy women, especially those with maybe some subclinical thyroid stuff, et cetera, have heart palpitations, it's very concerning. And I also used to once upon a time when I thought I was more healthy than I was. And as we work on mineral balance and electrolytes and whatnot, a lot of times the heart palpitations will subside and heart palpitations are certainly a potassium imbalance, but certainly also all of these minerals will cause I just mentioned that to people in general because mineral imbalances cause interesting twitches and weird palpitations yep. and things. And so I think that, that it might be so powerful for people to just realize that really quickly because I don't think we touched on it very well. And I think it's a really scary symptom to have. Yeah. Um, and we'd like to resolve it more easily and quickly because once you go down medical interventions, it's like kind of invasive and what we're going to further perpetuate the mineral deficiencies. And then it's going to be such what's a seemingly simple potential fix that becomes so much more complex. And again, if this is the backbone to some insanely big processes in your body, as we start to be deficient in one area and we don't really resolve it, your health will unravel Slowly and very negatively, and so that's what we see as we age is like slow unraveling of health. I feel like because we become more dependent on oh I have heart palpitations, well let me like do all these things and start a medication, which you know is probably a little overkill, unfortunately. So, And even like nerve pain,
1: muscle twitches, like so many different things can be impacted by that. Honestly, even like skin issues, hormone imbalances, like painful periods, period problems, like all those things. It's pretty amazing when you start to pay attention to like, do I actually have my foundations in place? Most people are trying to focus so much on like specific supplements or a specific food. I'm like, are you eating enough? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, are you eating enough in general? Are you super stressed out all day? Are you drinking like a gallon of plain water? Cause that'll deplete your electrolytes really quickly if you're constantly peeing. So they're just like little things to pay attention to, but those are really your macro minerals. You need those in the largest amounts. And then they also relate to each other. So there's different ratios. Yes, let's talk about the interactions and the ratios real quick. So the nervous system one, that's our calcium and phosphorus, right? So if if we have too much calcium, that can slow us down and kind of keep us in that parasympathetic like relaxed state, which sounds really nice, but it slows your metabolism and then you can't handle stress as well. But then of course you could be at the other end of the spectrum too, if you feel like anxious all the time and like, you're almost like getting that adrenaline type of response that can be a sign that your phosphorus is much, much higher than your calcium, So that's kind of like nervous system and that's more related to like your metabolism and stress. And then if we think about sodium and potassium, I think this is the one I see people struggle with the most. And it's, I think just electrolytes in general, we use them up very quickly. Mm -hmm. Every cell has a sodium potassium pump. So if we can't get things in or out of the cell, because that we don't have enough minerals to fuel that, pump then it just can lead to pretty much every symptom fatigue poor digestion low functioning immune system you don't tolerate carbs as well and just like your adrenals are not as responsive so you tend to feel like you can't handle stress like the way that maybe you used to
0: so of the stuff i was listening to in preparation for our chat this athlete host guy was talking about when he used to train for Ironman competitions, they had a guy come in and do sodium testing. I think it was like sodium dumping. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know Mm -hmm. whether it was, but basically it was like looking at sodium retention or like how much do you waste essentially. And he was dumping it much more than a lot of the other people on the team. And it came at a good time for him because he said he would lay in bed and like his heartbeat would be pounding in his ears and he couldn't go to sleep. And like two days after he started working on sodium stuff that went away. I just like stories because sometimes it's really nice for people to be like, oh, I I thought you were going to say it was his potassium. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he just did salt stuff. Okay, you know, mineral salt stuff. However, this is also the best time for us to talk about why people do better sometimes starting with sodium and potassium versus calcium or why people struggle if they try to support all four of these right away. And I've had this happen. I mean, I'm always learning from clients. So like if they're more compromised, they struggle with it. And so now I'm kind of backing off and just starting with sodium potassium and then adding the magnesium and calcium. So will you speak to that? I guess these come first.
1: Yeah, so I would say most people i do mostly hair testing with clients and most people have a it's called a slow metabolic type mm-hmm. and that's when their sodium and potassium are very low and calcium is typically pretty high sometimes magnesium is also high and so most people are very depleted in sodium and potassium which is like not super surprising since a lot of people probably aren't getting the electrolytes that they need And if you have low sodium and potassium, which means you don't have as many of those minerals for your adrenals to use to respond to stress, and then you take something like magnesium, for example, maybe you hear about it, maybe your doctor recommends it, and you're like, sweet, and you start supplementing, you can actually feel worse because that will lead to more of that like adrenaline type of response. It's almost like fueling the stress reaction a little bit too much, and then you don't have the electrolytes to back it up. So I think everyone... Can focus on that. And honestly, because even if you're not a slow metabolic type and you don't have low sodium and potassium, you could be the other end of the spectrum where you're faster and you're using more. And so you just want to replace them, right? You can't really go wrong with replacing your sodium and potassium.
0: And that's exactly what I would say. I would see they feel a little too revved up too quickly. And so I just have them slow down versus always totally changing products sometimes. However, I want to bring up something that a listener might say, wait a second, Amanda, earlier we talked about how everyone is, could use magnesium. And you just said people on testing show that their calcium and magnesium is higher. So will you explain that? So, I mean, everyone can benefit from magnesium. It does, I don't start people
1: with oral magnesium. I typically start people with topical. So like the Epsom salt bath, the magnesium oil spray, and that, cause again, that's not going to be stimulating. That's not going to be as strong is taking an oral supplement. But I personally have everyone start with adrenal cocktails. like, And that is just a mixture of sodium, potassium, and whole food vitamin C. Mm -hmm. And so that's step one for everyone that I work with. And then they can start adding in magnesium. So the other thing with the high levels, hair test is not blood work. When you're looking at hair test, it's looking at how you respond to stress. So it's looking at minerals inside the cell. That's the hair test is showing us. And so sometimes you see really high levels and that's telling us that that is leaving the cell. You are using up a lot of that. So if you are using up a lot of magnesium, you'd want to replace it. So that's why if you see high magnesium on a hair test, then it doesn't mean that you're taking too much. It means that your body is requiring a higher amount.
0: Perfect. All right. So I cut you off on, we talked about calcium and phosphorus and then sodium and potassium. Anything else there?
1: The thyroid ratio is a good one. And that's one that I think a lot of people really resonate with on their hair test results because they oftentimes we're looking at blood work for thyroid and it can look normal. But when we look at your minerals and we're comparing your calcium and your potassium, that's really telling us how does your thyroid hormone work inside the cell. And so if calcium is high, potassium is low, then that's going to leave you with a high thyroid ratio. The higher your ratio, the slower the thyroid hormone function is. So we want a nice balance between the two so that you can get that thyroid hormone inside the cell and then use it. So the thyroid ratio, the higher it is, slower, the lower it is, the faster potential thyroid hormone function is. Okay.
0: Well, you've alluded to this a couple of times. You've talked about how some nutrients are not very well represented in serum, which makes this whole conversation a little bit more challenging. Now to back up, I think we've also alluded to there are certain things people can do. We can support sodium and potassium and then support calcium and magnesium and certainly support topical magnesium, right? Mm-hmm. Those are things that we can, and we, that's kind of what we covered today was like, macro minerals. And Mm -hmm. I think what we're going to, I'm going to ask you if we can do is talk about fat solubles and maybe zinc copper in a subsequent because yeah, yeah, you know, it just doesn't, you can't fit this much stuff into one timeframe. So, but you've alluded to testing a little bit. So let's talk about how you got into testing and to be honest, let's just like qualify that it sounds a little quacky uh, off the gate you know? So let's just qualify that and talk about your experience and kind of how you overcame that and kind of how you've used it and how it's worked out for you. Yeah. So it's kind of funny
1: that you say hair testing sounds quacky because we use it for a lot of other things, right? We measure a lot of other substances in the hair, like even if you just think like drug testing and stuff. So Mm. we definitely do use hair testing. It is definitely a normalized and like, accurate thing. I just think the word accuracy could mean a lot of different things to different people. And that's what you want to think about with the hair test. I personally got into hair testing after birth control, like the hormonal birth control and the copper IUD because my blood work was showing normal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I literally feel like insane. I'm not myself and nothing I'm doing is helping. And that's when one of my friends was like, you should do hair testing to see what's going on. And I didn't understand it at first because like when you look at a blood test, it's like high, low or normal. Mm -hmm. When you look at a hair test, you are not reading it high, low or normal. Mm -hmm. Like we said, a lot of the minerals interact with each other. And so like a high level of one can impact another. So there's a lot more that you want to look at. I think that the reason why I found hair testing so practical for clients is because we get to see the last three months of time and how they are responding to stress. How is their body compensating? How is their mineral status? Whereas like I do compare it to blood work. It's a piece of the puzzle. And I think people want one lab test, right? They want one test to kind of tell them everything and have it be the end all be all, but no lab test is like that. Even with hair testing, like it's great, but it also is the last three months. So if you have made changes a month ago, we are not going to necessarily see that reflected on this current hair test. I think it's helpful. I think it shows you more of like how is your body actually responding versus
0: just like, is something high or low? So I have taken some hair test training and there were very specific labs recommended because i think the concern is is that someone could go google from here and apparently i don't like go googling this usually right so apparently there are hair tests out there that are like hey you have food sensitivities and i'm not yeah so apparently there's probably some real crap um as well and that doesn't make any sense in my head you know like if you think about it yes your hair is a something growing from you you know and we're looking at 3 months because like we're getting close to the base right and so we're looking yeah. at like that growth kind of like a fingernail you know and yeah. we know we use fingernails for physical findings yeah. basically like you look at the body and then you're like hey there's some stuff going on you got some mm-hmm. zinc deficiency going on because your nails got white spots um, yeah anyway so i think maybe we might qualify there are a couple labs that we know um are mm-hmm. practitioner level labs so go ahead and mention those.
1: I only like two labs for hair testing. I use trace elements and analytical research labs. Cause the other thing with the hair stuff is you want to make sure they're not washing the hair incorrectly. You don't want them to be treating it with anything. Otherwise the test results just aren't as accurate. And then one thing that if you do decide to do hair testing, you want to think about, do I have hard water? Because so many people I've seen they don't realize that their water is hard and then we get their hair test and their calcium is insanely high. And it's not necessarily that their tissue calcium is that high. It's more because of the water that they use to wash their hair is. So if you can look that up and then either get a shower filter or use like distilled water to wash your hair before you do your hair test, that's just going to help. For or two days. I would use it for two weeks. I mean, it depends on how often you wash your hair. I don't wash my hair often, so I would probably do two weeks. <laughs> um, if you <laughs> totally wash different it topic.
0: <laughs> if you if you wash your hair regularly, you could just do like one week. But so you can see where this feels challenging for people, right? We're going to cut mm-hmm. hair close to the base of this very little hair, but then when we get into like, oh, you're going to need a shower filter, and you're going to have to wash it still. Like, you got to understand. This is why I really appreciate a podcast because yeah if you would have started with this, I'd be like, I'm actually done listening to the, you now. but so what about water softeners that are like full of sodium, right? What do you see
1: with those? I haven't really seen any issues, but I don't think I have clients that really use water softeners. Most of them don't have filters or they have a filter that I've recommended or that they've found like a KDF filter or something like that. So it's usually, I haven't seen it as an issue, but I think it probably depends. I just mention it because most people don't think about it. And it's like, if you're going to invest in the hair test, you just want to make sure that you're getting accurate results. And I And I get what you're saying with it feels like a lot of work. But I'm going to counter that and say, I have clients that have begged their doctors for lab tests and they cannot get them. So I just think it's a little, maybe a little bit more like personal responsibility, but Mm -hmm. that it's a lot. You can order the test online. You can read the instructions, you know, always read the instructions. No one likes to do that. Read the instructions, pay attention to your water, and then you can get a really great result. And it's not as bad as it sounds. I just think you have to do a hair test and then you're like, oh, okay.
0: Versus, you know, it's like the the first time pack.
1: I know. No it's kind of, kind of
0: like my my friend like sent me a message the other day. She's like, So I did an enema the other day. And I was like, I thank you for telling me this. Thanks for feeling comfortable enough to tell me this. And by the way, <laughs> does your fiance know I feel like you guys are going to have a successful marriage? Um, yeah, <laughs> he knows you're crazy. And thanks for saying, read the directions. My favorite thing is when people message me and they want me to like be above the directions for the test. And I'm like, actually the directions very clearly say that. I have videos. I have videos for people that don't like to read. Still don't watch them. That's good. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. A video would be good. I think the summary here is that the first time of doing something is always the hardest. Yeah. Um, When our mutual friend and I were kind of like study buddies on this topic and we were like, all right, we got to submit this. And it was like, it took me, I'm very bad at completing testing and stuff. So it took me at least six weeks to get it done. So anyway, that brings me to one more point though. I think that could be useful. And this is something I kind of harp on with clients is that I do try to be as conservative as possible with testing. And there are things you can learn from a lot of symptoms. As you've mentioned, you cannot guess everything. So I guess my comment to you is like, I am like a big gut person in general. I'm sure you are too, but like I can guess a lot of things going on in the gut yeah. and the tests do not tell you everything. And so you mm-hmm. got to use your brain. So do you feel like you see, I mean, certainly there are things you're probably seeing on hair testing that you could not guess, or that are a little different, or are there things that sometimes show up and you're like, like, for example, when you started seeing the hard water thing, you were like, this doesn't really make sense. So would you say that like, to an extent you can kind of just get started with supporting before you even do that? And when, isn't that what you probably do first anyway. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's why I think you can't go wrong with like the basics first. And just even looking at like, are you eating nutrient dense foods? You know, like, do you get animal, animal products or some of the most nutrient dense foods, easy to absorb. And then, you know, like when we, even when we talk about like potassium, it's like potatoes, fruit, are you eating these nutrient dense foods? Mm-hmm. Are these not in your diet? Because it wouldn't fully make Coconut sense to water. do a hair test until You at least have some of the foundations. in, And then in that case, you want to wait a few months, right? Mm -hmm. Because you want to see that reflected in the hair test shows of the last three months. But I just think that even in my course, I'm like, you cannot obsess over. There's no perfect hair test. There's no perfect lab test. But even Mm -hmm. like the test results, like you have to pay attention to how are you feeling? Like, how are your stress levels? What are the other things that could be impacting things? You can't just like feel amazing and then get a terrible test result and think that, oh, I'm not healthy. Mm -hmm. It's just one piece of the puzzle. And I think if you can use lab testing in that way, you'll be successful and it'll be helpful. But if it's like you're treating the lab test and not you, then you're just going to be on like a hamster wheel.
0: I think that might be one of a very important excerpt for me to emphasize that we should not treat, and this is where we could do much better universally in healthcare is we treat lab tests instead of people. And if we rely on lab tests, when people say I don't feel well and the tests come back normal and they're like, well, good luck, you know, whatever. This is why we're so frustrated in the world. Cause it's like, there's gotta be more. And I think to that end, I think we always have to be learning and expanding our toolbox. Cause if we just settle for what's on our toolbox, even when we get really comfortable and we're getting great results, usually the rug gets pulled out from underneath you somewhere. I mean, it's amazing. I always say like, Oh God probably gives me like what I can handle at that time. Cause at the very beginning of my practice, I had this tool and then I was like, yeah, this tool isn't good enough anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need to add this tool. And like, and that's what we continue to do. And we're like, how did I live without that tool? I don't yeah. even know. And why did people get such great results without that? Tool? <laughs> I know um, it's amazing. That's such a good point. Okay. Last question. We're like, we've gone a long way and hopefully we'll do a follow-up, but, and we've kind of covered this. I just want to touch on a supplementing irresponsibly before we wrap. That would have been a beautiful ending point, but you know, I got to just go ahead. I felt like that was a useful thing. So anything you want to say about supplementing irresponsibly? And I think it'll just reiterate and drive home. Some of the things you've already said.
1: Yeah. So I would just say that when it comes to supplements, you want to go as close to whole food as possible. When we start to isolate a bunch of nutrients, that's when we create imbalances. Like certain vitamins are synergistic with certain minerals, minerals are synergistic. So when we start to, whether it's like mega dosing, like taking a very large amount of them or just like isolating, like ascorbic acid is not the same as whole food vitamin C, Mm -hmm. right? It's like the shell and vitamin C is like the whole entire egg. So you really want to think about, is it a whole food based supplement? Do I know why I'm taking it? Is it because I saw it on Instagram in an ad? It's like you really just want to pay attention to those things. There are certain supplements I do not recommend supplementing with, but I feel like that is a whole podcast episode. So I just would think about like try to be as close to nature as possible. Like in maybe most multivitamins, not amazing, but like beef liver, that's like nature's multivitamin, you know, like ascorbic acid and vitamin C, not great, but like citrus, great. You know, so looking at, is there a way that I could get that supplement
0: from food? And is that maybe creating more imbalances and it's helping? Yeah. Awesome. And you can do, we can start with sodium and potassium and Amanda is like a wealth of information. Where can people find you online and tell us about this little thing that's coming up right around the time shortly before or after this episode comes out. As yeah, so you can find me
1: on Instagram at hormone healing RD. I also have a podcast. It's called, are you menstrual? And I have a course coming out that's teaching you. It's called Master Your Minerals, and it's all about teaching you how to understand what a hair test is telling you and then what nutrition, supplement, lifestyle changes to make based on those test results. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Krista.
0: I've been obsessed with the delicious simplicity of 88 Acres Bar since my first one at the Boston Airport in 2016. And now, as a registered dietitian nutritionist that specializes in helping people with food sensitivities and allergies, they come in clutch as an easy way to diversify breakfasts and snacks in a way that feels kind of special. I mean, who doesn't want watermelon seed or maple sunflower butter on their pancakes or smoothie bowl? Getting minerals in requires variety, and variety requires us to be a little bit intentional. But when you find systems and products that help you maximize your variety, you can make the improvement and put it on autopilot. For me, 88 Acres is one of the companies I use to help diversify my protein and nutrient intake to different seed butters and bars, which are good sources of zinc, manganese, calcium, and many other minerals and vitamins. When I pick up a few boxes of 88 Acres variety packs or their delicious seasonal seed bar flavors and rotate their seed butters, I'm giving my system an easy, delicious, and diverse foods that help broaden my nutrient and mineral intake and vary what I'm feeding my immune system and gut. Plus, I love supporting a small woman-owned company that's focused on treating their team like family and goes the extra mile to source single ingredients to avoid cross-contamination of allergens and leave out all the fillers found in other products. They include ingredients that a mom would improve of and my kids can pronounce. Head over to seeds.88acres.com forward slash less stressed to check out my favorite products. And if you're a health practitioner, don't forget to join the 88 Acres Nutrition Collaborative.